0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, I mentioned it in church before church, but if you didn't catch that, what we're going to do this year is uh, actually give you an appreciation of the liturgical life of, of the church. Our liturgy, as we as we practice it, is actually predates Lutheran by at least a thousand years, if not large elements of it, even pre- go all the way back to the time of uh, the psalmists and the prophets. All right. So um, you're, you are actually part, you're in a stream of tradition that spans thousands of years. Maybe you don't know that. Um, and if certainly over the last, I don't know, 50 years or so, there's been a, a trend in the Christian church towards novelty. Like let's do something new and different every week. Um, but as you know, novelty can get a little bit fatiguing after a while. It's like with the first few comic book movies, it was kind of fun. And then it just kind of like, seriously, we're going to have 28? And then they're all, every character from every movie is going to gather in, in another movie. No, it can't even be another movie. It has to be two movies because it's so big because there's so many characters and we have to let all this together. And then it's just like, then everybody's just like, okay, enough. But we need a breather from this because it's just, it's too much, right? so that's the problem with novelty you're always trying to do something bigger and better than last time and then eventually you hit a ceiling where it's like maybe we should just go back to doing things that are kind of boring in a way you know <laughs> nothing new under the sun, nothing new under the sun. Yeah. no and novelty it's actually in the history of the, wor- the worship life of Israel they had the same problem they would, they would hear God's word read and then eventually they'd be like let's listen to other things and then they'd be like there's a thing called God's word yeah, it's Nehemiah, the king, you know. Or was he the priest? Nehemiah, whatever. Nehemiah finds the book of the law. That is Mos- Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had misplaced it. They lost their Bible. I know, it seems incredible, right? And so then the whole nation weeps and they're mourning as they're hearing it. And like, we had no idea that God had told us all these things. That's how bad it can get. It's right in the Bible. So, yeah, he does warn you, right? Uh, these are Kriegers, right? Yeah. Welcome. Guess. Kind of guess. We're just, we're, we're, we're just yeah, returning. Returning guess. I don't know what that is. Well, um, seven years ago, Texas. Oh, you're in Texas. Land of the free and home of the brave. Going to do probably secede soon. I, I imagine, depending on what Mr. Biden does. <laughs> try. I think they can get away with it too. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, So, the liturgy, every liturgy, almost every liturgy that we have in the church, by the way, liturgy just is the word for, it's actually, can just be translated worship, but it actually means regular, consistent worship. So, when we say liturgy, it means the things that we do consistently, week in, week out, or day to day, right? So, you probably have a liturgical life to your normal day-to-day life, not necessarily worship, but you get up every morning, you'll probably do the same sort of things each day, unless you're retired and you're kind of lazy, right? (laughs) yeah you know what i mean now nah, i 'm picking on you, right, but like if you have a day job, right, you get up, you do the same thing, you have a habit, you do that habit it doesn 't make any of those things less valuable just because you do them every day right they 're always it 's actually the routine um, gives you an order and a structure to your day that ends up being actually discipline and discipline that 's for your benefit right um, and so god 's word is actually Meant to be part of your daily discipline and life. You can read about that in the annual report next week. Because uh, I, have, I have a letter in there about that. But uh, even what we do in, in church on Sunday is meant to be pretty regular and consistent. But then there's, as I describe it, there's variation within the consistency. Does that make any sense? Yeah, there's variability with, between. So the large framework of everything, like we've been in service for that setting... And so the words and the music to those parts stay the same every week. But the psalm, the hymns, the readings change. And the sermon, of course, which follows the readings. Right? So there's a the consistent pattern, which is great for children, by the way. I'm very sensitive to this because not these folks. These folks are fine. But, you know, the little ones, if things are not the consistent, they don't know what to do. And church, you don't want, your, you don't want the kids, like, not knowing what's going to happen in church. Because then they, they also, you don't know what they're going to do in church. Um, but if they know kind of roughly the length of things and when things happen, like you can perceive this with Naomi, who's nonverbal. This is Leah. Naomi's her big sister. Right? But Naomi knows like after communion, there's only this much time and then we're going to get to go. And if things go on after communion, it does not go well, right? Because she's ready to leave. Right. So, so pattern and, and consistency is good. The day school um, teachers know this, right? Their day. And we actually changed it this year. Every day I meet with the children first at 8 o'clock in the morning. So regular, consistent. We even talked about like one of those days coming over here for chapel. And then I'm like, no. It's just Every day we do it in the same place the same way. We have different readings, of course, just like we do here on Sundays. And then the kids, they know how to behave. They know how long it's going to take. Right. And then we don't have to deal with all of that, and we can just focus on listening and singing and praying. Make sense?: All right. Thank you.: Yeah, we, to be honest, it was out of frustration. <laughs> um, well, no, with the, actually, no, with the teachers. Um, not their fault, necessarily, but uh, the way that you would lead a prayer is going to vary depending on how old they are, if you have all, all the kids in the same you know, at the same level. Uh, And so especially with the younger kids, they weren't getting some of the things that the older kids were doing because it was just too hard to maintain their attention and whatnot. But if they're with peers that are older, then they they listen and, uh, and they join in when they can. So then they get carried along. So that's one of the challenges with what I guess what we call progressive education, where you go grade to grade, is that you don't necessarily help each other in the way that you might. Like we in the congregation, we have young and old. Some of you are younger. Some of you, are... Well, most of you, are older. Here are some younger ones. We're like missing a generation in here. Where are they? Right there. Okay. I guess I'm, I'm filling the gap. Where the X's, Y's, and millennials? Oh well. I don't know what generation you are. Looks <laughs> kind of like those church yeah. great, So all eighth grades were in the long room, and the older we've been listening, the older we to talk about it. Right. 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 Well, remember, faith comes by hearing. Faith does not come by participating. (laughs) It comes by hearing. Now, hearing is a way of participation, right? But with children, it's very important, even if they can't yet say the words, that they hear them, right? And through repetition. It was like I mentioned in the sermon just briefly, you know, Mm -hmm. or no, it was before church. Um, You know, you don't, I was thinking about this morning. It's like people like, oh, I love the songs that I can sing along with. And you're like, well, the first time you heard it, could you sing along with it? How about the second time or the fifth time? You know, you couldn't really sing along with it until it had gone into your ears and really taken, its, taken root in your heart. Mm. I don't know, some of those songs you probably don't want to let take root in your heart, the things that you know. I know all sorts of music that I probably shouldn't know by heart. Okay, all right, so liturgy's that way too. Um, so we're going to start right at the beginning of the liturgy. I, this is not what we're studying. <laughs> That's just where it goes when we start. We're actually going to look, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Genesis 4. Um... And we're gonna look at Seth. Now, uh, by the way, the curriculum, um, this is grade level four, which is like probably middle school, I think is what it's intended for, or maybe high school. So I don't think any of you are gonna be offended by me treating you like you're a middle schooler. Hopefully not. No, I mean, you gotta start somewhere, right? And for, I mean, even if you're uh, 70 or 80 years old, sometimes you're still playing catch up on, you know, how much do you actually know? You think you're wise. You're probably wiser than me in a lot of ways, right? Or maybe not in everything. It's okay. It's not necessarily making things simpler. It's just maybe um, just getting back to brass tacks, as they say. Uh, before we look at this, this is the family of Seth. We're going to look at Seth and uh, Adam. So Genesis 4, roughly. We're going to look at 26 and following, I think. Um, we have to go back a little bit and talk about Adam and Eve a little, uh, and talk about what happened there, right? So Adam and Eve... Uh, where the initial unit of all creation was the family. Husband and wife, right? It's not good for man to be alone, so he gives to Adam, his wife. Well, first he prays a bunch of animals in front of Adam. And Adam's like, no, this is not going to work. And he's smart. He recognizes that. Which does say something to those people that think you can have a loving relationship with your animal. Adam says, no, that's not going to work. Hey, I guess a dog is man's best friend, right? Can't be. Not quite. Anyway, that's a joke. You're not laughing. Uh, yeah. Um, so he gives, he gives to Adam a wife, and he also blesses them. We usually hear it as a command, but it's really a blessing. It's a blessing and a command. It depends on how you want to hear it. You can hear it as a command if you're somebody who needs to be instructed, or as a blessing for those who are willing to receive it, right? To be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? And subdue it. We talked about that in the sermon today. Um, be fruitful means to work, right? So these people who like to sit at home and collect unemployment rather than work, they're actually going against God's word. God made you for work, right? And you know this. If you sit around, you take too much time off, you kind of get bored. Or if you're incapacitated, like my father, you know, he had, uh, with his surgery, it's like he's home. Yeah, they kicked him out. He was too good for rehab, is what they said. Yeah. Which is good. you got five plated ribs and all sorts of, too good for rehab. That's my father. I think they actually wanted, uh, they just wanted to have beds free because they don't have enough rehab nurses. Because, you know, nurses are quitting and, or staying at home not working because they can, whatever the case may be. You, met, you mentioned that we were retired. That's one where we don't mind the Bible. No, it's not in the Bible. No, I don't think you actually ever retire. That's kind of a side note. You just, you just transition, maybe. <laughs> you know, you grandkids or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you know, just sitting around playing shuffleboard is not exactly... You're in Texas, not Florida. Sorry. Um, wrangling cattle? What do you do in retirement? I don't know in Texas. Go shoot things, I think, right? Not people, things. I like Texas. I like my Texan friends, too. They have a free spirit about them, you know? This is good. Um, You're not native Texan, but you understand. Yes. Okay, good. What were we just talking about? Oh, freedom. Work, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply is fairly obvious what that means, I think. (laughs) Have children. And fill the earth, right? And then I guess there's some argument today whether we filled the earth or not. Um, mm, I don't buy the propaganda that we filled the earth. I don't think so. But there are those who say we do. Oh, there's this guy back about 100 years ago named Malthus. You ever heard of him? Yeah. Malthus's lie keeps getting repeated. Malthus said that we had already reached capacity, basically, and that we should stop having children because we're overpopulating the earth. And there's, we're going to run out of... His, his point was resources. We're going to run out of resources. And as, as is proven since more than 100 years ago, um, we're pretty actually ingenuous about being good, you know, conserving resources and finding new resources and being more, uh, you know, recycling and doing other ways of trying to stretch those resources as far as they go. I'm, I don't buy the lie that we're just, if we don't do something in the next, well, I don't know, whatever it is. Some of you have been hearing this your whole, like half your life, right? If we don't do something in the next five or 10 years, the, uh, the floodwaters are gonna raise and Chicago will be underwater or something. I don't know, whatever. I don't buy it. You're, you're too young. We, we were hearing were all in our freeze. Uh, we just, <laughs> oh, well, right. Right, because then it was global warming, and now it's just climate change. We don't know if we're going to freeze or thaw. I don't yeah. know. Something's going to happen to us. Yeah, All right, so anyway, we're going back to the beginning here. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, meaning it is man's job actually to, be, to have exercise godly dominion over creation. You heard that in the sermon. Right, to be good stewards, right? but stewards, like a gardener. Right? Adam was a gardener. Right? Here's the garden, take care of it. Right? So that means to prune, to harvest, Right? It's there for them. And somehow we've lost sight of that. We think, well, you buy the rhetoric that we're like somehow like the invading species. We're like the carp in the, you know, in the river or something that's eating everything else. And it's like, that's, that's kind of dehumanizing in a way. All right, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So that was the beginning. And then, uh, of course, uh, Eve said, you know what, God, your wisdom is not actually, we don't actually trust you. Right? So we'd rather know about this thing called evil. We want to find out what that's all about. That was a wise move, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it was be- better to be naive actually and just live in faithfulness to God. But instead she wanted to have her live apart from God and Adam agreed with her. So that's why Adam gets all the blame because he listened to his wife. Yeah. She was deceived. I, I know this is not a popular opinion that the, the woman's the weaker partner, but it's right there at the beginning. And, um, so sin comes into the world and of course it affects man and women differently, right? Women is pain and childbearing and I would also argue childrearing. It's not fundraising children. Sometimes painful. Yeah, not just delivering them but delivering them into like a life in this world. Sometimes you can't get rid of them. I don't know what's going on. I had two move out in a month and a half so I'm like, yeah, it was kind of surprising. Yeah, Whoa, it's like what happened. I thought they were never going to leave, and then they're poof—they're gone. Um, what were we just? Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. Oh, uh, pain for Adam, of course, is to provide for his family was going to be difficult, and that the whole ordering of creation was going to be undermined. So animals were going to rebel against Adam and Eve, right? So now we have, we have uh, you know predators that would seek to hurt and harm even us, right? Mountain lions, whatever you want to, mosquitoes whatever it is, that's your, that was after sin, yeah, after sin, yeah, and thorns and thistles, right? Yeah, Yeah. and thorns and thistles. So, so what, what we see is by rebelling against God, then all creation now is in rebellion against us too. Because we're supposed to be God's stewards, we're made in his image, and because we've rebelled against God, then creation, which is God's gift to us, is now in rebellion against us as well. So there's a lot of rebellion or warfare, if you want to put it that way. Um, And so, that sets us up, For then um, Cain and Abel, which you know that story. Two sons are born, right? And Cain's grabbing, no, is Cain grabbing Abel's? No, Abel's born later. That's I'm thinking of Jacob and Esau, right? Yeah. Cain and Abel, Cain's born first. He's the oldest. Uh, Esau, excuse me. Yeah, Abel's born second. And uh, Cain is a worker of the ground and Abel is a shepherd. Yeah, care of the sheep. Um, It's not as if one vocation is better than the other, by the way. There's no, there's nothing in the scriptures that says that Cain's vocation is somehow inferior to Abel's or something like that. Of course, Abel being a shepherd then makes us think of, I don't know, Moses, David, Jesus, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but, but then right away you see the first story is them offering sacrifices to God. Right? Why? Because there needs to be atonement for, for what not only their parents did, but what they've inherited from their parents, which is sin. Right, that rebellion against God, Cain and Abel both have inherited from Adam and Eve. It's passed on from father to son. Uh, the Bible's pretty clear about that. It's actually not mom that passes it on, but dad. <laughs> um, especially when you get to Jesus, then. It, that's one, Just a little bit of that story that may be interesting, then. Jesus only has heavenly father, right? No earthly father? Right. And you know this about DNA? I, I'm sorry, there's a lot, I'm throwing a lot of things at you. Mom, mom gives you mitochondrial DNA. Dad doesn't. So mom actually contributes a unique DNA to you that dad doesn't. Never. No. what's that? No, no, no. You get your mitochondrial DNA from your mom alone. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. Mitochondrial. Yeah, mitochondria. I don't know what it is, but you can look it up. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a distinction. Mom contributes. Dad contributes something else. Right. Um, what was I bringing up? Oh, yes. Um, so there needs to be atonement. That is um, forgiveness for not only what their parents did, but also for who they are and what their continued rebellion against God. Because they've inherited that from birth. You know, children rebel against not only their parents, but against God. Right? You know, I mean, if, if Dorothy was going to be a good daughter, she would just sit and wait patiently for mom to feed her. But instead, she screams bloody murder when she's hungry, right? Yeah. If that's not original sin, I don't know what it is. I know, she doesn't know how to communicate blah 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 <laughs> so the first, thing, the first story we see is, is uh, Cain and Abel offering sacrifices and of course you know that God regarded Abel and his offering but he did not regard Cain and his offering right? we hear that from Hebrews Hebrews, I don't know chapter somewhere in Hebrews it tells us that All right. it's in the story too in Genesis back in Genesis 3 right? or is it early in chapter 4 chapter 4 yeah Um, The first part of chapter 4. And now Hebrews tells us it's because Cain, Cain did not offer his offering in faith. Right? He was not giving a sacrifice to God for the benefit of receiving forgiveness of sins from God. All right? He was offering it, I think we could argue, at least Hebrews argues this, he was offering it as a service to God to somehow appease an angry God. Yeah, don't mind there's a little child on the floor. She's moving around. So, I mean, there's two ways you can approach God. You can approach him as he's an angry God and you need to appease him. That's the way of every God in this world. Every other God, I should say, is that he's angry with you and you need to somehow make him happy with you again. I mean, even Santa Claus is that way, right? Be good so that he doesn't give you a coal, lump of coal. Right. Uh, Just, yeah, just keep, keep attentive. That's all. Um, whereas Abel didn't believe that he deserved God's forgiveness, at least according to Hebrews, but rather he offered his sacrifice um, in faith, trusting that God um, would give him um, that promised forgiveness that he had promised to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, verse 15. We should probably look at that. So we'll just scroll up to it. Right? Here's the curses, but right in the midst of the curses, there's that, that verse right at the top. I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent here. And between your offspring, there's offsprings of the devil. Yeah. yeah, there are. And her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Right? This is the promise of the Savior. Right there. Genesis 3. Well, who's the offspring that crushes the serpent's head? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And offspring is not a great translation. So you'd, if you want to be more faithful... Because it's Zerah in Hebrew, if you care about Hebrew. Uh, there it is. Between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Right? Now that's even more compelling because usually the woman doesn't contribute the seed to conception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there's all sorts of, there's hints here that something's not going to be the same about her pregnancy as typical pregnancy. Because usually the man is the one who contributes the seed, right? That fertilizes the egg. But here it's her seed, which is already going to be interesting. Uh, but see, it's, there's this conflict already set up between the Savior, who's come to destroy uh, the power of the devil and death, along with it and all sin. Hi, Dorothy. But they're going to be a conflict, and it's going to be warfare from here on out. Right. And of course, does Jesus defeat him? Yes. Is he overcome? Yes. All right. And that was what I talked about in the sermon today at the very end. Hopefully, you were still paying attention by the, by the gospel at the end, which is that Jesus already won. We live as if like the future is uncertain, and Jesus says, I've already defeated death and devil. And so what are you worried about? Well, we're worried about creature comforts in our life, but what is that compared to the life to come? All right, There is the sermon in one sentence. I didn't have to preach 16 minutes. I could have done it in... Thirty seconds. Oh well. Sorry. In reading the Lord's Prayer, you mm-hmm. go through. It. Give us this day our daily bread. Right. Roughly and not thinking about it. Right. Yeah. What's included in daily bread? What, what we need for today. Right. You take a look at the Exodus. Right. The only thing, yeah, take hey, what they could eat that day. Right. Other the, than on Friday. But what do they complain about? Yes, no, specifically. First bread. first bread, then the meat pots. They wanted to go back to the meat pots, which just sound terrible. I don't know. I guess it's stew, but <laughs> when you translate it as meat pots, you're like, and were they really that great in Egypt anyway? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's always food. It's always food. And maybe clothing, and shelter, but it's usually food. It's like so predictable. I mean, if you have children, you get it. All right, so um, all, this is, all this is leading us then to Seth. All right, so let's talk. I, I'm not necessarily going to go word by word from the sheet. You can do that. I'm trying to find mine. Where did mine go? There, I'm just going to take yours. All right. <laughs> and so most of the liturgies that we begin, we start in the... Oh, Gabriel, you laughed. How'd you leave me? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now you've heard, of course, that's God's name. It's the name given to you in your baptism. So when, you begin, when we begin that way, we're remembering our baptism, which, which then it's also uh, fitting for us to begin with the sign of the Holy Cross, which was put on our forehead and our heart at baptism. right? So you make the sign of the cross. I know you're saying it's Roman Catholic. It's not. Um, Lutherans have done it their whole history. Just American Lutherans are a little weird. Because we like forgot our history when we started speaking in English. Yeah. I'm not saying we should go back to speaking in German, but uh, let's not lose our history. But to invoke an invocation is simply to call on, upon, call upon a name. right? So we invoke God's name. Um, as if it's kind of like a magic formula, I suppose. right? And that's how some people have heard it, but it's not. <laughs> God actually tells us to call on his name in every trouble with prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. right? Call upon me in every trouble. I will... How's it go? And you shall glorify me. I forget the part in between. I shall hear you? I don't know, something like that. Call upon me in every trouble, right? Well, how are you going to call on him if you don't call him out by name? (laughs) Right? It's like at home. We just say, and just, I'm sorry to pick on mom here. You don't mind. Somebody take out the garbage. It doesn't actually work. Because nobody's going to do it. Exactly. You say, Leah, do the dishes. Gabe, take out the garbage. Right. You have to invoke the name. Otherwise, you don't know. They don't know if you're, t- you're talking to them or not. Right. So we call on God's name. That's how we start most of our services, especially divine service. Um, there's exceptions to that. Matins, Vespers, those start with Psalms. But all right. So uh, there's some situations where you might call on a name. You meet a new person. That person gives you his name. What else does the person give you when he gives us his name? What do you think? If he gives you your name, what is he giving you? Access. What? Right. Yeah, the right to speak to him. Access, right? Yeah. Like, don't call me. Call me Bob, right? Or Don. Well, Don, I'm looking at Don, so I should use his name, right? Call me Don. What is that? Now you're 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 declaring there's like an intimacy here where now. Now we have a connection. Now we have a connection. We have a relationship, right? So yeah. So we. If you don't know somebody's name, sorry, uh, poor Penny. I just it kept spacing today. It's like I got the Penny, and I'm like, you caught it. I know. Yeah. I was like, it's four names. I should be able to remember four names. <laughs> but Especially when you, have 10 <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't remember your names. <laughs> Our forefathers, you know, in the Old Testament. Region did not want to say Yahweh right. because they were afraid of violating the commandment, not the name. Right? right, and I think, that's a, I think that was, a, I think it was very pious, but it was also mistaken. Right? And, and substituting something else like Yahweh, it's very pious, um, but you're just making up a word to take the place. They would, when they would see the divine name in the Hebrew scroll, they would substitute Adonai, which means Lord. So when you see in the English Bibles, Lord all capitalized, that's the substitute for the divine name, which we don't actually know how it's pronounced because they never pronounced it. Yeah, um, It's usually translated as Yahweh. They put some vowels in it. Make, but Anyway, I don't need to explain that too much. Right. It's very pious, but on the other, other hand, God kept telling them to call upon him in prayer and praise, and they refused. Because, you know, God's too busy for us. And you heard today, he's like, he's not too busy to count your hairs. No? Well, why wouldn't you want to hear your prayers? Anyway, uh, we talked about prayer at the funeral on Thursday, too, I suppose. You're at a shopping center with lots of people there. You notice your best friend across the crowded mall. What is the difference between saying, hey, friend, or hey, you, I guess, and hey, John? Right? Same thing. Although, yeah, right, I suppose. Uh, but with parents, right, hey, mom, you can tell when it's your own children's voice. So there it's a title, but yet it still has that personal kind of inflection to it. Hey, pastor, right? That actually works, usually. All right. Um, these situa- what do these situations have to do with calling upon the name of the Lord? When the Lord gives us his name, he gives us a name f- to call, or for us to call upon when we pray. A father may not turn his ear to anyone who says, hey, you, but a father will always turn to his child who says, hey, Dad. (laughs) I'm laughing because I hear him just jabbering at me, and I'm kind of giving them full attention. Different than our Heavenly Father, right? He acts the same way. When he gives us his name to call upon, he gives us more than just his name. He gives us himself to call upon. All right, so we talked about Adam and Eve and sin, family of Seth, turn the page. Um, I already walked you all through that. You can read it on your own. Read the story of Cain and his family in Genesis 4, verse 17. So I'll get it up on the screen there for you. Dun, da, da. All right. Abel's dead, blood in the ground, family of Cain. All right. So the study's going to have us distinguish between Cain and Seth. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Remember, he has a mark on him. A tattoo? A branding? Maybe it was the sign of the cross. It's a little speculative, but I like it. And Dwelt in the land of Nod, in the east of Eden, which means he fell asleep all the time, right? <laughs> he nods off? Okay. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begot Meheu something like that, Jael, and Mah. Me- Hezuel begot Methushael, and Methushael begot Lamech. Oh, boy. Let me get to Lamech. Lamech's fun. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. That's new. That's not going to go well. You know, one wife's enough. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah, okay. The wife of one was, I should say everybody knows that, and yet some, you know, that's the side gal. And you're like... I don't think you should have a side gal. That's not going to work. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. And Adel, Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwelt in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. Hence, jubilation. Ah, that's where it comes from. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. As for Zillah, she also bore Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. All right. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada Zillah, hear my speech. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Right, so he's kind of, this comes up with Jesus, doesn't it? How often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Or 70 times seven? So that's the complete opposite of Lamech, who's like, vengeance upon Cain will be visited 70 times seven. You know, seven times against Cain, seven. All right. So we're going to have these two lineages comparing each other. Right, remember, we've got children of, offspring of the, devil and the offspring of the serpent and the offspring of of the promise right so now we have the offspring of the promise and Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and named him Seth for God had appointed another seed for me instead of Abel whom Cain killed so Seth is the substitute he steps in also he's the third son three oh Leah look at Leah's face (laughs) three resurrection right Resurrection of the promise, because Abel was the inheritor of the promise, but then he was killed, so then Seth takes his place. In which way, then, we're more like Seth, and Abel is more like Jesus. Jesus who died, and then we inherit the promise that was his. Yeah. As for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then man began began to, here's our point for today, call upon Seth. The name of the Lord. I read a little too far. We got—we weren't supposed to go all the way to Seth. All right. So, what are some things going back up with Cain? Yeah. He was murdered. What happened to Cain? What? Cain was a murderer. Cain was a murderer, right? He killed Abel. He was sent out of the garden. He was sent out of the garden, and yet he pleaded for mercy, and God showed him mercy and put a mark on him that he wouldn't be killed. That's right. So we already have mercy right away at the beginning of the story, uh, despite what Cain had done um, i don 't know, not everybody agrees, but I think it 's forgiveness. I think God forgives him, right but the sin that he committed is visited to the third and fourth generation, unfortunately, His children are not better than him, but worse All right so let 's see what do we got Cain? We talked about How about Jabal He was the what did it say about Jabal Jabal was the there it is in verse 20, right? Father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. So he's like a hunter-gatherer type person. right? Uh, Jubal, we already talked about. He's got some music, so that's beautiful, right? Tubal cane. Bronze and iron. And then, did we miss anybody? No. Oh, and then there's a sister. Eh, who cares about her? All right. right. So it's actually kind of interesting, right? Because you see, like you said, Cain murdered his brother, and yet God blesses him with children. Well, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Ah, that's another story for another time. Yeah, exactly. If they're the first people. Yeah, They're not always named. The girls aren't named in the Bible a lot of times because the inheritance comes by way of the sons so they don't mention the, where the daughters come from, yeah, and who they marry. Well, yeah, if you, if you hold to a strict view of Genesis as a chronology of the history of the world, then Adam and Eve are the first people who then, it, it's their children that, that actually marry each other. Right? I mean, that's implicitly on. Yeah. And that, that's the historic view of most Christians, although there are some Christians that would hold to a view where Adam and Eve are the first believing people, that God set them apart and put them in the garden, Right, and then they intermarried later. But well, that's not, that's, you're imposing something on the text that's not actually there. Which, I'd be cautious about that. We have one confusing text that says the sons of God. Right, there's that too. Which could be, some people take that to be angels actually, that intermarry with people, which is weird. Um, there's all sorts of other approaches to that. Genesis is a little strange. Basically, when we take chronology, as, as far as Lutherans go, and I think most Christians too, we don't actually start not dating things until Noah. Because you don't really have clear genealogies until Noah either. And at the flood, it's, a big re- it's, it's the Great Reset. <laughs> to quote to the World Economic Forum. Yeah, it's the Great Reset, right? And it's just Noah and his sons and, his, and their sons' wives. Eight souls. So it's a lot easier from Noah forward. Stuff before the flood It's pretty messy. Same thing with like archaeological record, right? Like before the flood, once you get, even in the like geology, when you look at like, uh, you know, the fossil record, once you get past the worldwide flood, which you can find evidence of that throughout the world, then things are a little bit more linear time-wise. Before that, things are very different in different places in the world. makes you wonder that if the flood wasn't also a pretty significant change to even things like the ecology of the world. All right, we know it didn't rain until then, right? So there's probably other things that were different, too. It also destroyed also Eden. And it, well, at least made it so we could never get to it. It could be Atlantis, though. Well. <laughs> don't, don't watch Ancient Aliens. I'm sorry. No, it's true. It's true. Well, and God had prevented us access to it anyway with the angel. But it's true. It would have been destroyed with that. And worldwide is kind of a question mark. People say, well, is that the known world or is it the actual entire world? Yeah, we don't have to get into all those things. But as far as whether these are sisters or, yeah. Presumably it's sisters, if you want to take a time linear view of this. I don't get too hung up about it because I, the purpose of Genesis, of course, is to teach you who you are and who this wor- what this world is and why this world is the way it is. Right? So um, that's the point. All right, so you notice, actually, God gives to Cain's children, grandchildren, um to be civilization, what we call civilization, right? You have music, you have metal workers. Hey, children, you're back early or not? 45 minutes, I said. Come on in. You have 45? Yep, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, just come can you to sit on the floor. That's fine. Come on. Say thank you to Mrs. Kip. I didn't know how far we get 45 minutes. But it's okay. Um, so there you go. You have civilization, and then we'll just finish up with Seth. We didn't quite get through it all, but that's okay. I wanted you to see. The men began to call on the name of the Lord. Right? What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? To right. pray. Yeah, to pray. Right? To pray to God for the things that He's asked for. Right? And that's what we see in the uh, in the family history of Seth. Right? That he is the picture of the church because what do the descendants of Seth constantly look forward to? The fulfillment of the promise made to Eve, right? Or we're actually made to Adam by way of the curse of the, serpent, of the offspring that would crush the serpent's head. This is why they're so protective of their children, namely of their firstborn son, protecting that, and why that firstborn son is so significant in the of the churchful life of the church, and that they're usually given into service of the church, the firstborn son to be the free, be a priest. If not, then they have to redeem or walk back. <coughs> and that comes up later. Is because they're always looking forward to um, becoming offspring. It's also the reason if you want to pick up another story here of why um, Pharaoh tries to destroy all the male offspring because mm-hmm. he's actually attacking the promise mm-hmm. of the offspring of would crush the serpent's head. He maybe didn't believe it. No, he didn't want to take a chance. No, he didn't want to take a chance. That's the same reason why Herod had all the sons of Bethlehem killed. He didn't want a king that would take his place. He didn't understand what kind of king Jesus would be, but it doesn't matter. He's attacking the promise made for, um, to Adam and Eve by way of curse to the serpent. Right? And so you'll see that with Seth. And then, of course, then that's why I guess I'm a little bit faster um, i got to figure out what 45 minutes is like. I figure you can do some of this on your YouTube. Uh, is that that's why we start every day in the name of the Father of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why? That the promise that was made to Eve, that was believed by Seth and his family tree, is the same promise that's been fulfilled for us in Jesus, which we received in Jesus, right? In our baptism, the name given to us there. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Offspring that were crushed the serpent's head, which, of course, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I was thinking of the Mel Gibson movie, right? Where there's the serpent in the garden. Have you seen that one? That's been a long time. I only watched it once, and it's so vivid that I don't feel like I really This is pretty terrible, too, right? But yeah, yeah, there's that bit in the garden where he actually <laughs> steps on the serpent's head, which is it's poetic. It's not actually in the Bible, but it's a beautiful poetry. Right, because that's what Jesus came to do. Right? And it's been done, and so that's why we Oh, to your point about daily bread, it's the same thing with the name Bob, right? No, Bob was the other guy. Your bob's oh, bob. We yeah. two, <laughs> right, two, two yeah. bobs. Right, anyway. Yeah, yeah, good test, right? <laughs> um, daily bread. Why do we pray for daily bread? Is this guy going to give us David Redd? You the sermon today. He's going to give David masking. to everybody. Without masking, right? you can say that in the explanation. Because he gives bread to the birds, close, close to the lily of Of course he have not bread. We don't believe it. That's the problem. Not that God doesn't do it, but that we don't believe it. Can you ask me this question at the post office? Why do we pray? Yeah, okay. It's the same, it's the same answer. Why use God's name? Because we forget that we actually have His name, and that He's given us that authority to call upon Him in every trouble, with prayer, praise, and Thanksgiving. We start with His name as much because He loves to hear it, but also because we don't believe that we have that name given to us to pray. Does that follow? So it's it's the best place to start. It just kind of sets every sets the tone for the whole service. That this is everything we're going to do from here on out. Every, every time we gather, is to ask God for the things he's already promised to give us. We talked about it in the funeral on Thursday. I didn't intend to do as much catechesis at that funeral, but it was kind of an odd confirmation text that Janice had, text, asking you, shall we see you, see people on with you, because it's a text on prayer, so we talked a lot about it. All right, very good. Let's close to the prayer. You're waiting so patiently. That's good. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us your own um, in holy baptism You joined us to your son, Jesus. And in baptism you gave us your name that we can call upon it at all times and at every need. Uh, we ask that we would use that name um, as you've given us to do according to the second commandment, calling upon um, you with prayer, praise, and thanksgiving, asking for all those things that you promised to give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, picnic time.